Welcome in, Fight Fans, here on a Thursday edition of Unlocking the Cage. I'm Ryan McKinnell in for Jimmy Smith. And on today's edition of Unlocking the Cage, we've got an interview with ESPN's Mark Ramondi to cover the world of mixed martial arts. And we also have a conversation with lawyer Xavier Pope to discuss the legalities of this Cain Velasquez case. Sit back, relax, quick play. Let's get it going. We are pleased to bring into the show right now. He is the host of the Suit Up podcast. He's got bylines and Forbes in the Atlantic. He is a lawyer out of my favorite city, Chicago. Let's get it. Xavier Pope on a Thursday. What's up, Xavier? What's up, dudes? How's it going? Uh, man, it's going. It's going. We are uh, in the full midst of uh, fight week here. We got UFC 272 going down in 48 hours. But uh, obviously so much of the, the news cycle right now in mixed martial arts is this Kane Velasquez story. Uh, Xavier, you know, man, listen, you're, you're the lawyer. You, you have much more, uh, obviously, experience in this than any of us do. When you read about the details of this case, when you hear about Kane uh, Velasquez hiring a Mark Garrigo, to 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 represent him um i was just talking about it with russo it makes me feel like that it at least on some level when you hire a team like that it says that you're going to be fighting this it makes me feel less likely that a plea deal might be coming down for kane it makes me feel like he wants to fight this what do you make all this yeah i think that's uh, accurate uh, accurate accurate assessment yeah. and it, it looks like he's uh, he if you have someone that that good, like Mark Garagos, I mean, he, he was Colin Kaepernick's lawyer uh, and uh, wound up settling with the National Football League. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you, you have to consider, you know, it, what the situation was and what he w- was faced with at the time. Uh, so, uh, yes, hello. Oh, we're here. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry about that. Yeah, you have to consider, uh, you know, all the different elements of the familial connections and uh, and you know, in, in people's sympathy for people feel like they're in the same same situation as him, and uh, and so I mean, an accused child abuser, um, I mean, no one's gonna get to have sympathy for that person, uh, <laughs> and so. I think that's probably the most important thing to remember about, you know, the 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 court of, of public opinion and how potentially the jury selection process could take place if this gets to a trial. So. Well, you talk about jury selection and we talk about Mark Garagos, like when you hire a, a man like that, it makes me think, as I alluded to, that you will be going to trial. And, and that makes me think that, well, that that's why you bring in a Garagos, right? Because if this does go to trial, Xavier, like we see the court of public opinion on Twitter. We see how many uh, fighters and how many just general people are behind Cain Velasquez. Because like t- you mm-hmm. said, an accused child molester over 100 times, allegedly, this may have happened to Cain's relative. I mean, th- th- that that is a story that when you're making your jury selection, number one, it's going to be, I would imagine, pretty hard to find someone in that area that hasn't heard about the story. And number two, Xavier, uh, it's going to be pretty hard, at least on some level, ignoring the sympathy that this story is going to generate. Because to your point, it is hard to feel for uh, uh, a victim. And again, the wrong person got hit in this in this shooting. That, but again, mm-hmm. you, you, you got to factor in temporary insanity, the premeditated.
expectation of it all. But then I hear Xavier about an 11 mile car chase that preceded the shooting. It just the details do look bad for a Cain Velasquez. I mean, it does look bad in terms of of chasing down someone uh, and then ultimately not necessarily getting the right. person that you, you you went after. And, but you know that still could potentially get them off. Um, and puts you know if you put any if yeah. you put any if you yeah if you put any all, all you have to do is get past one of these cases is is to survive reasonable doubt. And listen, all you have to do if you as a defense attorney you don't don't look at just the facts of the case. Look at some of the issues surrounding the case. All you need okay. if you're a defense attorney is to convince one person on the jury to think in their mind, I would do this too. Uh, and and yeah. and I, I don't care even if he chases someone down, someone could think I would chase down to the end of the earth someone who is a freaking child molester. All you need is right. to give it to one person to do that to potentially get a hung jury and maybe the case not to be tried. Number one, but the to me the bigger legal issue probably facing Cain Velasquez is a civil trial that he potentially could face, which has a lower standard of proof, preponderance of the evidence. And that's where we may see some form of settlement that not necessarily reaching a trial. We're not at that phase yet, but I see that to be the bigger trouble that Cain Velasquez faces as opposed to actually being convicted of some crime. Don't see him pleading, pleading out for this, see him fighting this at the end and then turn around. And that's going to be uh, what he's really going to be facing is, is his pocketbook. Let me, let me ask you this. Uh, Kane is currently sitting in a, a Northern California jail cell, and we're here with Xavier Pope, uh, lawyer out of Chicago, host of the Pseudo Podcast. Make sure you go out there and follow him at Xavier Pope on Twitter. Uh, Xavier, again, Kane is sitting in a Northern California jail cell right now. His bail and arraignment is set for Monday. What is the likelihood that uh, Kane, you know, at least will get out of jail until a potential trial or, or, or settlement or whatever the case may be uh, uh, comes about, right? Monday is the bail and arraignment. Uh, it's Northern California. We're talking about a, a large brown man, a large Mexican man. I don't know if that comes into play, but, I mean, we're talking about race in America and guns. I don't see how it doesn't on some level, Xavier. Uh, you can't say that explicitly, it, it, but I will say that one of the components of of this is, you know, is any is going to be a flight risk. Um, what's up? You know, what is what is uh, the the where does he stand right now? The nature of the crime, uh, and I could see um, some sizable uh, bail. Uh, I don't think that he will probably be held in terms of that's good not being and yeah. if i don't i don't see that happening and you can call me out if i'm wrong about this but um i just i, I now, see why do you say that i just think that i think yeah i mean it, it i wouldn't say it's a crime of passion per se but that kind of what it it looks like it looks like hey if if this incident would have not have happened could you have seen this being a violent man to inflict some sort of um, endangering of the public like this in another situation, you know, I mean, they, they that, that's yet to be determined, but I could see that, you know, factoring in whether, you know, he, the bail is granted or not. I mean, a bail should, should, should be significant when it comes to attempted murder. Um, but whether it's sure. denied or not, you know, whether it's denied or not, but it depends on a variety of factors, which I think, um, which is working in Cain Velasquez's side is the nature of some of the circumstances surrounding 
about how he found up in the, wound up in this position. Here with football lawyer Xavier Pope, but Xavier, um, I'm kind of concerned. I mean, obviously, this is a real concerning story all the way around. So I don't want to like, I don't want to seem short sighted here, right? But let's say this does go to trial. Let's say this does become a, 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 a battle of public opinion and it gets obviously in our little bubble here in the mixed martial arts space, it's going to get followed very closely. If you're the prosecution, if you're going after Cain Velasquez, you talk about, you know, his history, you know, is he a violent man, yada, yada. My concern, Xavier, is that MMA gets dragged into this and it gets shown in a light. Well, he was a violent individual. He fought in a cage. It was, you know, because we spent so much time getting on the other side of that. But if you're the prosecution, you, you kind of have to acknowledge his past as a fighter, right? And you're trying to, you know, see justice served, at least through your eyes as a prosecution. How concerned should I be as an MMA fan that my sport might get, you know, dragged through the mud? essentially here if a trial does ensue in my opinion that works against the prosecution because those are not those are not really? some of the no because none of those elements are part of what Cain Velasquez used in part of defending someone he didn't get out and start doing MMA moves and put someone in the octagon in the street that's not what happened at all <laughs> hey what what he, what he what he what he did is chase down a what chase down a car and he rammed it and then he shot with a gun uh, and so uh, as a prosecution, instead of focusing on, you know, whether he was an MMA fighter, you're going to focus more so on not only did he chase down the car 11 miles and show that he had a frame of mind to separate, you know, he had time to think about it and appreciate the wrongness of his conduct. He then uses his automobile as a weapon, uh, despite yeah. the fact he could. You know, he could, he could be use his hands or something to that effect. And then he, instead of uh, using any other form that would be less dangerous, like fighting or something to that effect, he just got to fire a weapon. Uh, and so that's if, if you're a prosecution, you would look at the totality of taking multiple dangerous steps, endangering the public by driving recklessly, ramming a car and then shooting a gun. So though, that's the element if you're prosecution. You want to hammer in on that and the reckless nature of his conduct. Uh, and, you know, if it's not attempted murder, I mean, you could include any lesser offenses in any crime. OK, well, maybe it's some sort of reckless endangerment, something to that effect, depending on the statutes, how the statutes are written and maybe get a lesser charge so that you can get some sort of conviction if you're a prosecution. That's where your focus probably should be. Well, Xavier, I really appreciate you bringing some levity and some education to the conversation because I'm just a big, dumb, loud idiot. So uh, that 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 context was extremely valuable, and uh, I appreciate you hopping on and sharing some time on a Thursday. I know it's not an easy subject, but it's definitely uh, an important subject for us in the MMA space. So, again, salute, man, and uh, we do appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. He is a combat sports reporter for ESPN. He is a friend of the show. You know him. You love him. It's Mark Ramonda here on a Thursday. What's up, Mark? What's up, Brian? How are you? 
Uh, man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, I'm, I spent the first hour talking about Colby Covington, so my pits are kind of sweaty and I'm a little uh, perturbed. But, uh, you know, that's part of the job. It all comes with the territory. Uh, you know, that's Colby Covington for you, my guy. Well, it is a big fight this week, and Colby Covington has been doing a lot of talking, <laughs> so I, I understand. Uh huh. Yeah, and you have been talking with him, uh, I know. And we will talk about Covington and Masvidal, and uh, I actually do want to talk to you about this Kane Velasquez story uh, as well. But before we do all that, I want to mention uh, a video that you put out yesterday, which I really do want to implore everybody to go out and watch. It was an interview uh, you did, Mark. Uh, with uh, uh, Marina Moros, who is fighting this weekend, but she is Ukrainian, and obviously there is so much going on in Ukraine right now with the uh, invasion of Russia. And you had a great uh, chat with her uh, yesterday that you were talking about and that you uh, that you released. And uh, I don't know, I just uh, just what were your thoughts on that interview, and and what was uh, what was I guess the standout for you in that? Absolutely, yeah, it's, it's up now on the ESPN MMA YouTube page and. It's just really interesting because, you know, we cover, we cover the fight game and, and everything, you know, everything sure. kind of feels very insular and, you know, we're in, we're in the bubble of the fight world and it's all about the fights and what, you know, what is the next pay-per-view and, you know, who's going to move up in the rankings and who's getting the title shot. But the real world has, has kind of, you know, penetrated every part of sports now where, you know, you have fighters like, uh, you know, the Klitschko brothers and, and Alexander Usyk and, and Vasyl Lomachenko, who are all staying in Ukraine to defend the country. And Marina Moroz lives in the United States. She trains an American top team in Florida. But her, her family, her parents, are back in Ukraine as Russia is invading the country. They live on a farm. You know, Marina Moroz was telling me about how her parents are, are arming up. Her dad is making Molotov cocktails. They have a farm, wow. so they're, they're, they're feeding the Ukrainian soldiers, you know, with the stuff that they make on the farm. And it's just a fascinating look at, at just kind of like the broader world at large and how, you know, this, this whole situation in Ukraine is kind of touching every part of, of sports and really every part of, you know, what, what we do. Well, uh, I just, uh, you know, from colleague to colleague, from contemporary to contemporary, Mark, I, I just want to thank you, man, for telling that story and for even asking about it because, you know, fighter pay, that's an important issue. Uh, there's a lot of important issues. Obviously, the Cain Velasquez story, that's an important story on some level, right? Uh, the rivalry between Colby Covington and George Masvidal can take a backseat to, at least in my opinion, uh, uh, you know, the Marina Morosas of the world and a story like this. It's just a great story. So uh, tip of the cap to you, Mark. Yeah, of course. Like, like I said, you know, the, the real world, uh, you know, sometimes comes into our little bubble and it's important to tell those stories as yeah. well. I, I, like you said, yeah. maybe as important, if not more important than, hey, you know, these two guys are fighting on Saturday. Yeah, no, no question. No question. And those two guys fighting on Saturday are obviously uh, Colby Covington and George Masvidal. What you make of uh, Covington kind of playing? I, I, I don't know where the truth is, Mark, right? Like, I called him a scab uh, in hour one. We talked about, you know, Islam Makachev having to take another fight and not getting the title fight. And then you got Colby Covington coming out and saying he's not taking pay-per-view points for this fight. He's not getting uh, anything extra on the back end. He's just taking a pay cut to have this rivalry with George Masvidal. But I, Mark, I said it in hour one. I don't believe any of it. I think he was never getting pay-per-view points. I think it was already written into his contract what do you make of those words by colby covington yesterday at media day yeah it, it did strike me as a surprise i really thought that he would be making pay-per-view on this <laughs> fight because right? it's, it's a big fight 
it's a really big fight, and, and neither guy is a champion, but it really doesn't matter. It's, it's going to be one of the biggest fights of the year. It's a real grudge, and it's two popular fighters who, who were real-life best friends and roommates at one point. It's everything that, that you kind of want, and it checks all the boxes as far as what you want in a big pay-per-view main event minus the, the title. Yeah. which is okay in this instance because you don't need the title. It's like pro wrestling when, you know, the story is so good, you don't need the title. That's exactly what this is, yeah. Ryan. And, and as far as Colby and, and pay-per-view points, and I, I, do think there, I, think, I do think there is something to it. I do think that his existing contract did not have pay-per-view points if it's not a title fight. Now, could Colby have tried to renegotiate with the UFC to try to get pay-per-view points for this fight? And would he have been well within his right to do that because it is a big fight? Absolutely. So I think I think the the real story and what he's probably really saying is, hey, I could have negotiated with the UFC. I could have tried to get these, you know, get that mm-hmm. that bonus, get that revenue from the pay per view put into the contract. But I didn't want to hold things up. I wanted this fight. I'm confident in beating George Masvidal, and then I'm going to move on to another big fight after that. I think that's kind of what he's saying. So I do think there's an element of truth to it, although it isn't the whole truth. But it's really kind of Colby Covington in, in, in a nutshell. <laughs> well said. We're joined by ESPN's Mark Ramondi here on a Thursday at Unlocking the Cage. I'm Ryan in for Jimmy. Now, you talk about, you know, Colby Covington, Mark, and kind of this kind of being in his wheelhouse. It's, there's there's half-truths. We never know exactly where the truth lies. You know, when, when Covington says he wants to be a lifetime UFC fighter, uh, I, I, I tend to believe that, and we'll see where that happens. But I look at this story with, like, Islam Makachev, right? And, and I got to, like, ask myself, why would you want to be a a lifetime UFC fighter, right? Like when you do everything right, Francis Ngannou, Islam Makachev. Islam took the fight with Bobby Green on Saturday, Mark. He didn't need to do that. And now Dana White is coming out and essentially saying, well, since, you know, I guess since Makachev didn't take the fight with RDA this Saturday, he he didn't use the words punished, but he said, we're going to make the fight with Benel Dariush again. And, and he didn't say instead of giving Islam the title, it, it was just kind of implied. I mean, Mark, by your estimation, hasn't Makachev done enough to get the lightweight title shot? Of course he has. He's won 10 in a row. I mean, he's, he's right. won 10 in a row. I know that he hasn't beaten any top five guys, but that hasn't been his fault. He's, he's been booked multiple times against right. guys like Rafael Dos Anjos, who are at the top of that division. And for whatever reason, the fight has not happened. He was supposed to fight Benio Dariush in that fight. And, of course, Dariush got hurt, you know, yep. a little bit over a week out, and, and he fought Bobby Green on short notice. So he, it isn't like Makachev is avoiding these top, these top ten, top five opponents. <laughs> He's agreed to every single one of these guys, but for whatever reason, it hasn't happened, whether it be an injury or COVID or, or you know, what have you. It's been a crazy time in the sport. Isn't, it is not Islam Makachev's fault that he has not fought any of these guys, <laughs> and and he he's fulfilled his end of the bargain. He's won ten in a row, and and by all intents and purposes, who who really thinks that Magachev is not the number one contender? I mean, who who else if not if not Islam Magachev? I know we're getting we're getting all very Gaethje in a few months here, and and that is the rightful you know top, you know top fight between yeah. the two best guys in the world. But yeah. Yeah. to me, Islam is 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 the next guy in line, no matter what. But I guess they're gonna do they're gonna try to do Magachev and Dariush. Yeah, which, you know, again, I don't hate. Like, I love that fight, but let's just let's let, have it be for a title or have it be after one of them. You know what I mean? Like, for me, that ship has sailed, and, and, and Makachev has done enough to get the title fight. And, again, he 
Like, like, Mark, he didn't need to fight Bobby Green on Saturday. It, 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 I know a lot of people are like, oh, Bobby Green saved the card. Well, what about Islam Makachev saving the card? Mm-hmm. There was two, mm-hmm. you know, there sure. were two people in that fight. Absolutely. Totally agree. Totally agree. And, yeah. And, and ahead, the situation sorry, is, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, Islam has done enough and now he's being, you yeah. know, he, he, he was put in an impossible position because it, it isn't his fault that, you know, Rafael Fiziev got COVID this week and couldn't fight those Anjos. So then, uh, you know, something that didn't happen, something that was not his fault once again happened, and he's being put in a position where he has to take a fight uh, on very, very, very short notice, a week after he fought, just to get a title shot when he's already, he's already won 10 in a row. So it's, uh, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's the UFC kind of drawing a line in the sand saying, hey, if, there's a, yeah. you know, if we have a short notice fight for you that, that we need, you better take it, otherwise you're gonna, there's going to be punitive action against you. I think we've all known that's happened in the past, but... This is very this is very public, and it, it seems like that is what, exactly what's going on. Yeah, well, you talk about unfortunate situations, and uh, we, we we flip the page here, and we're here with Mark Ramondi from ESPN, uh, combat sports reporter. Mark, uh, obviously, I mean, the story of the week, the story of the year, one of the, I mean, hell, man, one of the stories we're never going to forget is this very unfortunate story, obviously, uh, uh, surrounding Kane Velasquez, former UFC heavyweight champion, uh, currently sitting in a Northern California jail cell waiting for an arraignment bail hearing on Monday. Mark, this is a story you were following closely. There were some uh, updates yesterday that came across the board. I saw you were following it closely. Uh, the details, <clears throat> Mark, highly disturbing. Uh, excuse me, 11-mile uh, car chase. Uh, Kane Velasquez allegedly shooting into a car with uh with uh multiple people and 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 and, and mark uh by the by best we can tell hitting the wrong person um there's just there's there's just a lot to dissect here i, I know we don't have a ton of time and i know it's still a, an evolving situation but, but but what do you make all this especially through your reporting yesterday and some of the details that came out i mean it's just it's just an unfortunate story on on every count I yeah mean, it's, it's it's more than an unfortunate story ryan it's it's just a it's a heinous story. It's just horrible yeah. on, on so well many said. levels, yeah. you know, where, you know, where this is a, a family now that is just going through the absolute ringer. It's uh, it's really the worst case scenario and it's just super unfortunate. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people come out, a lot of people in the MMA community with the hashtag free cane. And, you know, it's, uh, when, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a father. I don't have any kids, but I've spoken to a lot Same. of people this week who, who do have kids, who do have children. And, uh, I don't think I've spoken to one person who has kids who said they didn't understand what Cain Velasquez did earlier this week. Uh, I think a lot of people do understand that. Was it was it wrong? Was it was it very likely? I mean, and very obviously oh, illegal what he did. Of course. Yeah. But I, I think yeah. I, I can't I can't imagine that I can't imagine that Cain Velasquez was thinking that when he when he did what he did on Monday. I think he was thinking that he he, he wanted to protect his family. Um, and, uh, and it's just, uh, it's just a horrible situation because now he's, you know, here's a guy who a lot of us know, know real well, you know, who covered for a long time mm-hmm. and, uh, no, I've never heard one person say a bad thing about Cain Velasquez. Not one person, you know, not even a, Mark, not even a little bit, not, Mark, 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 yeah. not even an know, inkling, not even an inkling, not even like a no. raised eyebrow. He is universally beloved. <laughs> yeah. I've never, I'll, I'll even, I'll even say this, Ryan. I've never heard anyone like. I've never want, ever, ever heard one even say something like lukewarm about Cain Velasquez. Everyone has always <laughs> right, said, right. you know, what a great guy is, what a great family man, what a great, you know, father, what a great fighter, what a great, you know, now he's coaching at AKA. He's always been, you know, mm-hmm. selfless, uh, you know, at, at American Kickboxing Academy. You won't find a person at that gym in San Jose who has, 
even you know a lukewarm word to say about about Cain Velasquez, and now you know here he is, uh, you know, sitting in in a jail cell. And I got to be honest, man, like you know, I saw the photo um, of him in the prison jumpsuit the other day, and mm-hmm. uh, it made me it made me sick. It made me sick to my stomach. Like I, I, it was it was very emotional. You know, a guy that I you know I've known for for many years, who I've covered and who you know who I know well and I know his family well. This this is a tragedy, you know, on, on every on every front, and I don't know how it's gonna I don't know how it's gonna work work out, um, and I'm glad no one was seriously hurt in that in that situation. Uh, it seems like, and uh, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's just it's just bad. It's just it's just bad news all, all the way around, man. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. And, and Mark bringing up, thankfully, nobody was seriously injured. Perhaps, uh, you know, that will play into uh, Kane's favor uh, when we get more details. And, as you know, like, there's an arraignment. What, uh, what's the deal, Mark, on Monday? There's an arraignment and a bail hearing set for Monday uh, in Northern California? That's right. That's right. Uh, so right now, right now, Velasquez is still being held without bail. And he, ha- and he has been in jail since last Monday. So they're going to have wow. a hearing on Monday. He has a legal team, uh, and uh, they're going to be discussing whether or not that he can go out on bail. And I, I don't know how that's going to how that's going to unfold. But of course, you know, we'll be monitoring that situation at ESPN, and we'll be we'll be, you know, reporting what happens at that bail hearing, whether or not Kane is able to you know go free and then you know go back to his family, or whether or not he has to be you know in jail as as these as these legal things uh you know get set up this is probably not going to be a, a short process Ryan you know these things are not yeah, yeah. these things are not these things are not over quickly this is something that's probably going to take you know months and months to, to to you know see itself out see itself through well mark great stuff per usual uh, i really appreciate the time 272 is only four, 48 hours away i know you're in vegas doing your thing so uh, again i know you're a busy man so i really appreciate you stopping by and giving us some insight here on unlocking the cage Of course, man. Anytime. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Serious XM Podcasts.